Jim Cramer says that at last we're seeing signs that there's a game plan for dealing with the mess. Was he talking about MRSA? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, your host, and with me today is Dr. John Jernigan. Dr. Jernigan is the Chief of the Interventions and Evaluation Section in the Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion at the Center for Disease Control and Prevention in Atlanta, Georgia. He is an Assistant Professor of Medicine at the Emory University School of Medicine. Today we are discussing the CDC response to the MRSA mess. Greetings, Dr. Jernigan. Thanks for joining us at the Clinician's Roundtable. Thanks for having me. It's clear that we got trouble, and it's not just here in River City. What's the CDC's strategy for approaching the problem? There's got to be more than just hand-washing. Right. Well, let me describe to you an array of programs that are based at CDC that are designed to address the problem of methicillin-resistant staff and other drug-resistant organisms. No, that would be great. One of the things we do is surveillance. We feel like surveillance is a key to prevention. And not only does it help us detect emerging problems, but it helps us know how we're doing in terms of prevention as time goes on as we implement prevention strategies. We have several forms of surveillance. One is called the National Healthcare Safety Network, which is a network of hospitals that report healthcare-associated infection rates to us, and this would include infections caused by MRSA. We also have a dialysis surveillance network in which resistant staphylococcal infections amongst dialysis patients are reported to us, and a population-based surveillance system called the Active Bacterial Core Surveillance System that conducts population-based surveillance for MRSA. And this is the data that were recently published in the Journal of American Medical Association that described 94,000 life-threatening MRSA infections every year in the United States were derived from this data source. What populations are studied with the active cultures? With the Active Bacterial Core Surveillance Program, there are nine population centers around the United States in which there's an infrastructure to identify every invasive infection caused by methicillin-resistant Staph aureus. And because these are population-based, we take the data that are extracted from those nine sites and we extrapolate that to the entire U.S. population based upon different weighting of epidemiologic characteristics and so forth. Medicine is very evidence-based emphasis these days. Are there evidence-based infection control strategies that are being developed? Well, there are. On the healthcare side, in terms of preventing MRSA infections in the healthcare setting, we think that a comprehensive and multifaceted approach is necessary. And CDC put forth guidelines for prevention of MRSA and other multidrug-resistant organisms in healthcare settings last year in 2006. Could you give us the highlights of the recommendations? Sure. Again, we think that the most likely approaches need to be comprehensive and multifaceted. This document issues guidance in an array of areas of focus, which include administrative interventions, making sure the administration of a, of a healthcare facility supports the appropriate resources for prevention, recommendations on education and training, of course, recommendations on judicious use of antimicrobials is key. There are recommendations on specific infection control precautions, on environmental measures, and most importantly, recommendations on how to measure the impact of your program through surveillance. And what are the impact surveillance studies showing? Are we making progress? Well, there is good news. You know, this has been such a prevalent problem in our country and around the world for so many years. I think many hospitals have wondered and questioned whether there's anything that could really be done about it. But there is an emerging body of data in this country that suggests that even in hospitals where MRSA is endemic, when they 
initiate a program that is multifaceted and attacks the program the problem on multiple fronts, and when they take steps to make sure that their healthcare workers are adherent to the prevention recommendations, we are seeing some real reduction. And so we think that implementing such a program can be effective, and we hopefully we can turn this around. How do you determine if your healthcare workers are, including the doctors, being adherent? Are they doing hand cultures or, you know, using camera in the sky to see who washes their hands when they finish seeing the patient? What are the measurements? Well, it varies from facility to facility. I think it is important to measure adherence to hand hygiene. That's probably the most important thing. And if we could get our healthcare workers to get their adherence to hand hygiene closer to 100%, that would go a long way towards addressing the problem. But also, I think when additional infection control recommendations are made, such as use of gown and gloves in certain situations, they need to make sure healthcare workers are complying with that. And don't forget the recommendations that are not specifically targeting drug-resistant infections, but are targeting any infection, such as a device-associated infection or surgical site infection. So you can fight the problem of antimicrobial resistance by trying to prevent any infection in the first place. So making sure you, your healthcare workers adhere to, for example, guidelines for inserting central venous catheters, guidelines for preventing surgical site infections or ventilator-associated pneumonia, making sure that adherence to those recommendations is as close to 100% as possible can be very important. It's important to remember that MRSA is a smaller part of an even larger healthcare-associated infection problem. We have data that suggests that MRSA probably only accounts for about 10% of all the infections that are reported to us from healthcare facilities. This doesn't mean it's not an important problem. It is. And in fact, MRSA probably accounts for a disproportionate amount of the morbidity and mortality because of its resistance and virulence characteristics. But it is important to remember that trying to prevent all infections will help prevent these problems with antimicrobial resistance. I'd like to come back in a moment to the issue of infection in general and whether the methods of controlling MRSA would apply to all the other hospital-acquired infections and take a time out to welcome all those who are just joining us. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. John Jernigan of the CDC in Atlanta, Georgia. We're discussing the CDC responds to methicillin-resistant Staph aureus. With the methods that are used to prevent MRSA, to prevent spread of infection of this type, also apply to hospital infections in general. Yes, I think that's right. I mean, and one could consider MRSA in some ways as a prototype pathogen for transmission in a healthcare setting. We know, as I may have mentioned before, that MRSA infections in general are caused by a fairly limited number of strains, which means that all the infections that we see are caused by transmission of a relatively limited number of strains. So it's really a problem of, of transmission of a healthcare-associated pathogen. And the principles that we put in place to prevent transmission of MRSA from one patient to another in the healthcare setting should apply equally well to other healthcare-associated pathogens, whether they're resistant or not. So the approach to MRSA should be part of a larger approach and also will overlap with the approach to preventing transmission of any healthcare-associated pathogen. You mentioned it's only a few strains that seem responsible for the majority of the infections. What's particular to those strains? Well, we don't understand completely why those particular strains are most successful. I will say that 
the strains that we've seen emerge in the community and over the last, say, five to ten years appear to be different and unrelated to the strains that had been circulating in hospitals for decades before that. Why have they emerged so quickly and have been so successful outside of the hospital when hospital strains uh, have been around for years and really haven't spread much in the community? We don't know the answer to that, but there are probably certain virulence characteristics or other characteristics that contribute to spread that make them particularly well-suited to spread in the community. I will say that the strains that emerged initially outside of the hospital are definitely finding their ways into healthcare facilities, are spreading in healthcare facilities, and now in some settings have become well-established causes of, of healthcare-associated infections. So we're seeing more movement from the community into the hospital rather than the reverse? That's exactly right, and that's of some concern well, of course, it's of great concern, but, you know, there's the hypothesis that the community strains may have virulence characteristics that are different than the traditionally healthcare-associated strains. They may be more likely to cause infection, and there's some hypothesis that the infections they cause may be worse. So if they do become an important cause of healthcare-associated infections, which occur, of course, in a very vulnerable population who are compromised by their underlying illnesses and treatments, you know, it's possible we could see more severe healthcare-associated MRSA infections. So it's another reason to try even harder to prevent transmission of MRSA in the healthcare setting. A number of hospitals are culturing patients who are being admitted, especially those coming in for surgery. Is that a good idea? Well, I think that it certainly can be an important part of a control program. CDC does include the use of active surveillance cultures in its recommendations to control MRSA, however, not necessarily in all settings. CDC actually recommends a tiered approach, and it leaves hospitals the flexibility for trying approach that does not include active surveillance and active testing. But again, it requires them to measure the impact of their intervention program. And if they're not having an impact, that is, if they're not seeing a decrease in rates, the guideline would point them towards an intensified group of recommendations, which would include active detection of patients who may be asymptomatic carriers of MRSA. I'd like to thank Dr. John Jernigan, who has so generously given of his time to be our guest. We've been discussing the CDC response to MRSA. I'm Dr. Bill Rutenberg. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals. We welcome your comments and questions. Please visit us at ReachMD.com and take advantage of our new on-demand and podcast features, which allow you access to our entire program library. Thanks for listening. I wish you good day and good health.